Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Welcome back to Homeschool Together. Thank you guys for joining us yet again. Today we have a nice little interview, but if you could head down to the show notes, support our podcast, leave us a review, join us over on YouTube. We're going to be doing our live video blogging thing that we normally have been doing with all the curriculum, and Mm -hmm. we are going to be doing that with our ancient civilizations with the Build Your Library. So if you are excited about that if that is coming up on your you know radar over the next year or if you're just doing the around the world journey and you know that's what's on the horizon those videos will be there for you the same way the same style same format two talking heads looking at you and showing you a bunch of books typically you know typical Ariel and we're Matt. trying to just manage expectations oh, yeah. here that this is what we're providing. Oh, I mean, we're getting... <laughs> we're going to continue to provide the same thing. No Listen, flashy graphics. We don't have time for that. We're homeschool parents. We're busy. We don't have the uh, the news Chiron coming down below, you know. Uh, child gets another A plus from parents, you know, awesome type of thing. We're getting Mr. Beast numbers here for you know, knowing that. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, our kids are starting to get a little bit into Mr. Beast, so it's very, very funny. I don't even understand it. I still don't understand it. They, but we they, digress. We digress. Hillary Anand, and she was a wonderful interview. We had a great time talking with her. We actually had, I think, a longer interview after we we turned off the recording because we were just chatting about traveling mm-hmm. with with her and and her her husband had a little cameo there at the very yeah. end. Um, yeah, it was great talking with Hillary. It, I think was. she was really terrific. This was a great interview. Um, uh, she had a lot to say, a lot of great insight. Um, she is a world schooler, um, but more importantly, she's a homeschooler and a homeschooler that had to pivot into homeschooling very quickly. I believe it was like two or three weeks she had to, she had to make a decision on. Yeah, it was interesting. She was going to take an international job, and so she yeah. figured out that she was going to have to uproot and, and kind of going and, and just you know trying to figure out where she was going to fit into things, and yeah. then that didn't work out that way, but they still wanted that kind of lifestyle. And mm-hmm. so they're embracing that slower type of travel, you know, like, like what we heard about from, um, Daniel and Megan last year, mm-hmm. you know, what we've kind of trying to embrace ourselves a bit. And it's just really interesting to talk with these type of families because, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I have a million books in this house. I mean, I don't know how many, but there's like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Okay. There's a lot of books in this house and there's a lot of manipulatives and there's a lot of games and I have all this stuff. And when you travel, you can't take that with you. So even if you're not a family that's going to travel, I think something like this is really interesting because you can really boil it down to what are my essentials? Yeah. The essence of homeschooling. Yeah. And, and there's some really unique challenges that they have, right? Because they're in a new area, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, relatively often. And so it's not like they're enrolling in charters and things that there's, they have to find different groups that they can kind of join more ad hoc. And there's Mm -hmm. different types of socialization things that they're looking to do. And so it's a really interesting study in, you know, what can we 
you know, what can we get by with? And then what do we take from around us and mm-hmm. use that, incorporate that into our homeschooling? And I think there's good lessons for us all to learn about what we can take from our local areas. Maybe we're not traveling, but can, you know, we lean into our, and we have like a little historical society here. Mm-hmm. We've never been there. No. We could lean into that. What if we were, what if you were a tourist at home? Yeah, right. I think this is an interesting idea. So Start if you're to. not, you know, looking to travel right now or that you know this isn't on your horizon, think about the things that she's talking about. How could we travel in our own areas? What kind of things could we What have we missed? What have we not done right, yet? Right, cuz we live here. We don't think about all yeah. of these things. Um and, and you know, maybe we could fold those into our learning more than we do now. I'm sure there are so many things yeah. about our local area we don't even consider. Yeah, exactly. I, well, the thing that I really take away with is the idea that you're going out and you, they had to make a life change, right? And there's mm-hmm. so many of us homeschoolers that are you know have to do that. You have to move to a new area or maybe a school is not working for you and it's going to have to cause a switch or you're a military family, you've just been deployed over to Germany or w- whatever that might be. Life changes happen to all of us and we want to continue homeschooling or we're thrust into homeschooling by that change. And I always like to hear how people handle that and how they adapt and they have to pivot and they have to learn on the fly. And that's a challenging environment. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we homeschoolers have our own challenges and we, we all do, but sitting at home and having co-ops and whatnot to support us is really nice. I love to hear how people do it kind of on the margin and on, on the edge. And it really kind of give it brings home to me that it's like, I can do this. You can do this. We can right. all do this. Um, you know, there are always, obviously going to be challenges going along, along the way, but being able to, to embrace those things and find, and find what works best for your family, I think is really great. So let's just kind of jump right into the interview mm-hmm. uh, with Hillary. This was a great interview. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, Hillary. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, we're really excited to have you here because we've, we've just been a few weeks talking about our own world travels, mm-hmm. which was really fun. We're still recovering. I feel like I'm in a month of jet lag. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's dive into your story about your family. So can you tell us uh, a bit about your family and what you drove you all to pursue world schooling? Yeah, absolutely. So let's see. Um, it's myself, my partner, two kids. Um, my husband works in tech. Um, as kind of a remote job, but he also has his own company um, that he can also do on the side. And that's kind of focused on senior safety and all of that. Also in tech, but on that side, um, I'm a psychologist. I'm a clinical psychologist. And so I've taught, I've done assessment, I've done counseling, um, I've done student advising, kind of all of that stuff. So that's us. Our kids are six and a half and five. Um, so we had them very tightly together, um, uh-huh. two boys, and make our life a lot of fun and a lot of chaos all at the same time. Um, so that's us just kind of in a nutshell. We also have a cat that has traveled with us to most places. Wow. Last year. <laughs> cat cat um, schooling. That's a world oh, cat yeah. I love it. It's a whole thing. So that's been really fun. And she's had some places she liked better than others, but I'll go into that later. Um <laughs> That is us, and we decided to work school kind of out of accident, to be totally honest. Uh, we had everything set up. Our kids were enrolled in school for the next year, um, a school we really loved, we were really excited by, and then we were going to move international. So we're like, oh, goodness, we don't. We have to pull them out by this certain date. So we took the leap, and we pulled them out, 
then went to go check out where we were going to move to and decided that that actually wasn't for us. It was too far removed from everything. We couldn't travel as much as we wanted to. So we're like, oh, my goodness, we set up our whole life, you know, to move internationally. My husband started working remote. He found a remote job for that. We I pulled out of school. I didn't take on any contract work for the fall. And so we're like, what do we do with our time? Um, So all of a sudden, you know, in two weeks, I have to start homeschooling. And in one month, we're going to start traveling. And um, I was listening to y'all's podcast and how long you planned out. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be like (laughs) so different. Um, We just definitely flew by the seat of our pants a little bit. And so a month after that decision was made, we started traveling um, and we've done it for about nine months taking a month or two break. And then we're going to go back to it in July with a little bit of a modified schedule. Wow. How was, how was that just jumping in with two feet? I mean, it sounds like you felt maybe a little bit overwhelmed, but you know, where do you begin? I I think that this is a really common one where Mm -hmm. folks find themselves like I, and now I'm suddenly homeschooling. The way we started with homeschooling was I had a friend who had homeschooled during the pandemic. And so I'm like, please tell me everything you know. And so I I kind of just got on board. I just literally did the curriculum she had done. <laughs> I was like, great, this I'm going to do this. We have similar age kids. Um, turns out that that was both good and bad. Some of the curriculum worked great. Some of them did not work for my children. And I had to kind of go through that whole process. I love school. I mean, I got a PhD. Like, I love school. And um, my kids do not love the structure of school in the same way. <laughs> and so we had to do like a lot of learning together. Oh, oh okay. You want to do math for six hours today and nothing else. We're going to do math <laughs> for six hours. Um, and then you want to do reading for like a month, but you don't want to do one level of 15 minutes a day of all about reading. You want to do two books in a week and we're just going to do that. Um, so it was really kind of learning as we go. But at the beginning, I had a whole structure, I had a little chart, and I had everything and none of that worked. Well, but we tried. And then we jumped into to traveling, we actually chose our first couple destinations based on friends that we had in that area. So we knew either a little bit about the area or we had traveled there before. So it was kind of some familiarity. Um, so we chose in the States for the first month or two, Seattle by you all and um, and San Diego. That's where our family is. Mm-hmm. And then we hopped over to Europe. We had some friends in Portugal, um, some of our best friends, actually. And so we stayed near them and kind of did a whole thing there. And then from there, planned out journeys that were not near anyone we knew, but tried to get our feet wet a little bit. And you asked about, like, how do we get started? Um We've been traveling with our kids since they were six weeks old. We had heard very early on parenting, like you're going to be parenting at home and it's going to be hard, or you're going to be parenting on the road and you get to see a bunch of cool stuff. So might as well just go. And so we've been (laughs) taking them on the road since they were six weeks old. And, um, you know, my oldest one, by the time he was 14 months old, saw 14 states in the United States. And so... Uh, We had been doing it for a while and felt really comfortable with that. Uh, We had taken our first international trip a couple months prior. So we're like, okay, our kids can hang. This will be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were a little bit naive, which helped. We didn't know too much. (laughs) I felt like if we knew too much, we might not have done it, to be honest. Um, But we're like, okay, 
we're just going to go for this and it'll be fine. Like we will figure this out somehow. Um, just kind of like the motto of our whole life. Like we will figure this out. Something will work. So that's really like one of the best advice I have to get started. Well, you know, traveling with younger children could be a little frantic. You know, it could be mm-hmm. a little bit crazy, especially with the younger. You know, we traveled with our our youngest to Hawaii when she was under a year, and then also to Spain when she was about fourteen months old. And it was, and that was just one of them. You know, yeah. what you know, what was? How do you handle multiple children? Uh, you know, at that younger age on the road, it seems like it could be really hairy. And especially if you're like living in a location, and you know, your partner is working, and you're now you know abroad in a foreign place, in a foreign location, foreign home, you know, how do you manage your expectations in, in that, in that kind of arena? Yeah. Um, I was joking around with my husband, I'm like, they're going to title this podcast, like what not to do. Okay. <laughs> we, we've been, um, we've been trying, we, we've been thinking about a little bit more clickbaity titles, you know, people might yeah. uh, but it, it is I hope people learn from us because we did some things really well by the end and some things we just totally flamed out and it was fine. Um, They're still alive, which I mean, I think makes you a success story, right? Totally. Yeah. We got that. We got that. They're they're back again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're back. It's fine. We're going to go travel again. So we did something right. Um, So I think there's so much to this question, right? There's the how do you literally travel with the kids? Um, and then there's a like living in a foreign country with kids. And then there's a like childcare and oh my gosh, now we have to live daily life. Um, so I want to kind of break it down in those ways, I think. So traveling, a lot of this will depend on the kids. You know, my oldest has bad FOMO and will not sleep on overnight flights. We found this out when our oldest was also one year old and we went to Hawaii and he stayed up till 1am on the way back because why not? There are other people around. Um, And so we just know that. And so we know the day after we get somewhere, nothing, we plan nothing, you know, we will just get food and get to our place and that's it. Um, and just cause we know he's not going to sleep well at all. We know our youngest really needs comfort items. He really needs his comfort, like comfy blanket. He really needs to know what's going to happen next. And if we do that for him, he's pretty well set up. He'll be okay. Um, he does not love long car rides. And so if we can, we try to wake him up a little early. So he'll take a nap. So it's at least two hours of not complaining in the car. Um, <laughs> We also, again, similar to like, we're going to parent on the road or we're going to parent at home. Um, And I have found they're not, it's hard. It's hard no matter what, especially with young kids. We've also found that the adage of like the triple end, you will get to your destination no matter how hard the travel part is, has been very true in certain times when we're doing a 13 hour road trip somewhere. But just kind of knowing that, knowing like we have to get out in the morning to make the road trip actually work it, worth it if we're going on the road. Or if at night, we just have to really wear them out before, you know, before they get into the car to the plane. Like, okay, you're going to run around. Um, when my youngest, when my oldest was really young, we would run him down the wrong way on the um, those little walkways, those movable walkways. I did oh, yeah. these. I yeah. did the same thing with my yeah. daughter in Spain. I have video of her. I'm on the outside. I'm just holding her hand and she's yeah. just 
motoring along and, and and i'm just standing there and just yep yeah we yeah. had our oldest go the wrong way on the escalator yeah. when we were stuck in the dublin airport for three extra oh, yeah. hours we just had her run up the escalator we just kept going. that's what we did when we missed our flight in portugal like all right this is run around you know this outside of the area that yeah. um so you find those tricks right that you're like okay yeah. we're just going to expend energy um and most people especially internationally they're cool with it. They understand. They're like, yep, you know, you got to run the kids out. You got to get them tired. And uh, they, our experience has been they're really friendly about it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the logistics. Obviously, like for us, we kind of make it an unlimited screen time day. Mm-hmm. Like, well, mm-hmm. all rules out the window. Here you go. Um, and so we load it up the night before, make sure they have choices and what they get to watch. Um, I have some games on there, but I have everything pre-approved in the parental lock so I can just hand it to them and not worry. Um, So that's one thing. I try to buy a couple fun toys for the flight. I know that's worked for a lot of people. That's never worked for me, but it has worked for a lot of my friends. So I always throw that one out. Um, And then I try to get some books and some things like that for, you know, for sticker books or things for them to draw. My youngest loves to draw. So I always make sure I have that to go. Um, So that's kind of the travel aspect of it, making sure they have their comfort items, making sure, you know, we just don't plan anything there. And obviously there's different things with different airlines, right? Like Air New Zealand has these wonderful sky couches. I don't know if you all have heard about them. They it's an economy class seat, but you take the bottom of your seat and you fold it up. And so it becomes like a mini twin bed. Um, mm. I know if you're under five, two, it's probably the most comfortable, but you can scrunch up as an, yeah, you're, it's not going to work. Okay. <laughs> <I'm so laughs> Matt's height. He's just scouring here. Yeah. That's not going to work for him. But for the kids, it's really great. So it gets them to like be able to lie flat for me. It gets me to lie flat because I'm not a great sleeper on airplanes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all of that's kind of the logistics, the living in the other country. Again, I was listening to y'all's podcast and you were so thoughtful about the way you approached it. I'm like, oh goodness. We <laughs> tell them like we're going here. Woohoo. Have fun. <laughs> um, um, we're a bit anal retentive. I, actually, I'm using we very generally. It's me. It's really me. He, he's going <laughs> along for the ride. He's a very good Sherpa. He takes all of the gear and he goes with all of my whims. So well, there, I mean, there were some things we're definitely gonna take for future that we're like, oh, they did this really well. Like, we're gonna try this. Um, but for us, like, and for our kids' temperament, they're fine. They're really okay. Just like kind of rolling with it. We make sure we go grocery shopping right when we get there and we get like some of the items that might have a different name because we're in a different country, but they're the kind of go-to, right? They're the eggs and the milk and the, um, Pringles and the things like that. But we have found, you know, as most parents are, like, I get in my own head of like, oh my gosh, my kids are so picky about this and da 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 and then we've traveled and they've been fine they have figured it out like they have found their things that they will do um that might mean they eat chocolate croissants every morning for like a week until they find their other things and that's okay we're okay with that um so that like the living in the other country really again kind of taking that slower pace of like all right we're gonna do one activity because it's so overstimulating for them right they're like oh my gosh we're driving on the wrong side of the road and there's all (laughs) these different foods and there's oh gosh I could tell you this story about driving on the wrong side um 
So but there's like all these things to see. Oh, I will. Um, but there's all these different things to see, right? And to do and to experience in these different uh ways, these different languages people are speaking. And um the kids have formed kind of an excitement for that. And so, like when we went to Canada the first time, they're running in the airport and like finding the you know Canada sign and taking it, they're like, take a picture, and they're so excited. Um, but it's about drumming up more of that excitement for travel, you know, for us, much less the, like, here's what we're going to experience because we don't know, to be totally honest. And when we travel from place to place to place, sometimes we don't have enough time to, like, actually plan that out. Like, I don't, like we don't have enough time to, like, yeah, we're going to go here and we're going to go here. It's like, okay, we're all going to fly by the seat of our pants a little bit and it's going to be fine. Like, we will figure this out. So, so when you're going from, say, like, um, you know, from like, you know, the US or Canada to like Portugal, you, and you're going to stay with friends, you haven't done a lot of mapping out of like, what are the, you know, the sights and sounds and stuff of that area, no. you just say, we're going to here. <laughs> and our radius is three hours. And that's, yep. that's what it is. Okay. That's awesome. And that's it. And um, my sister-in-law, actually, because we've traveled a bit with them, she will buy them books ahead of time for like, you know, four to six weeks and prep them with music and with books and all of that. I'm going to try that this trip. I'm going to see how this goes. Um, and I, I want to incorporate more of that, to be totally honest. But I think it's also been good for the kids to be like, we'll figure this out together. Like, it will be fine. Um, that attitude has served us really well for so long of like, some this we will make this work. This will be fine. Um, which helps, was helpful for like in Portugal when we landed, our house had black mold in it. And so it was kind of a like, yeah. it's okay. It's okay, guys. We'll figure this out. It will be fine. Um, so for things like that that don't go the way we expect. So if you're if you're kind of making these plans a little bit quicker and how do you decide? How do you choose where to go? Is mm -hmm. it just based on, you know, do you have like a list of places you've always wanted to go and this is a good time and there's a good airfare and we're going to go? Or, you know, how, how do you kind of make your semi-plan? Yeah, so I'm going to go a little bit on a tangent. We met this woman um, in a Portugal park and we're like, what brought you to Portugal? She's like, honestly, last week I checked and there was a great deal. And now my son and I are here. <laughs> and they were here for like a week or two. And it was so brilliant. I was like, great. Like she had a list of like five or 10 places and she would check the airfare and she would get an alert that like, oh, this, this, there's a price drop. And then her and her son would just pick up and go. Um, wow. Yeah. And it was, it was such a cool way. And they were only there for a week. So they kind of packed it in. Um, I think if that works for your temperament, that's wonderful. We try to plan out like three to six months in advance. So like we know roughly through end of January right now where we're going to be um, and where we're going to go. And the first year was all about like places we're comfortable, places we know. And then this next year is now like, ooh, I've always wanted to go here. Um, and I've always wanted to go here and my, my sons are wonderful. Um, we're going to be on the Great Barrier Reef for my older son's birthday. And he's very upset about this. Like, he is like, I want to be in Indonesia. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's okay. Like just, you know, um, but he's throwing in his hat, like his picks, my younger son's throwing in his picks. And so we're trying to navigate how to work theirs in with also what we want to do. Because I think there's something fun in them, again, that homeschool component, learning how to plan a trip, right? Like, okay, you want to go to Spain. Let's talk about Spain. Let's talk about 
Um, you know, let's talk about when to go there, right? When's the best season to go there? Let's talk about what city you want to go to. Let's talk about all that. Um, they're a little bit of geography nerds, to be totally honest. And so That's they cool. have the knowledge of all the countries. So we talked about like how to go to the State Department website and like figure out which ones are level one countries and level four countries and all that. Um, And I know that can't tell everything, but I was trying to show them how to like research places. That's cool. So how do they drum up their excitement? Do you show them like YouTube videos? And I mean, how do they... How does why is it your son's like yeah Indonesia right like because I think our daughter our daughter we just finished our around the world study this yeah. last year and she did all these countries but I think she'd be like where's that fried bannock bread from you know I don't even know where that was but that's what I want I don't know that she would know like a specific place specifically she'd want to go um, yeah. so like how do they how do they get interested in in things well so if you ask them because we'd ask them like why Indonesia because I was trying to see if I could work it into the Australia thing um, and he. Uh, is really into reptiles. So he really wants to go to Komodo Island. Gotcha. And if anyone's into wildcrafts, they did this docu-series called Be the Creature oh. on YouTube. And they went to these Komodo Islands, like the four or five islands where Komodo dragons are found. And now that's all my son wants to do. And I'm like, I'm I'm not doing that. That's not <laughs> gonna happen. Um, so come on, the giant lizard islands is not for you. Oh my gosh, with like <laughs> She's, yeah. she's listen, Ariel. I just finished Australia and our around the world resource guide, and she's she's you know knocking down on uh you know Komodo Island, but she wants to go to Australia. Yeah, I've seen the videos in Australia. They have a sea cucumber that can kill you. A sea cucumber. I would say no to both. Yeah, yeah. We're going for the World Cup, so it provides like a reason to go. Um, I'm trying not to think about the spiders and the snakes and all of that. It's okay. Um, People live there. I mean, the... They live in the city. Totally. Bluey lives there. Bluey yeah. is fine. If Bluey lives there, then all is okay. I've, um, I've seen that episode. Bluey fights the, you know, the funnel web spider episode. It's not. I've seen it. My line I've been telling the kids, again, because they like learn a lot about all of these things, right? Um, my line, I'm like, snakes can't climb up an elevator in a hotel. Like they can't press the button and climb up to an elevator and find your room. Like it will be okay. Um, I feel like you're issuing a challenge to Australian snakes here. The Huntsman spider cat. Uh, we just finished the resource guide and he's just fresh off of a lot of videos. Oh, I, I get it. I totally get it. So I'm going to try it to, again, people live there. People love going there. It's going to be great. It'll yeah. be fine. And if it's not a fine, we'll figure it out. Yeah. That's right. I want to hear what you did about the black mold. What did you do? Like, can you get there and your Airbnb doesn't work out? What do you, you're like, um, excuse me, you need to clean yeah. your yeah. whole house. I mean, so yeah. this, um, the host was wonderful. Let okay. me just say that this was not a host issue. Um, certain cities, right. That you go to, um, have a higher humidity content. And mm-hmm. so this is actually a really common issue. We found out um, mm-hmm. from our friends. And so we contacted him. And I was like, hey, I've got asthma only triggered by like mold and fire. So we really need to take care of this. Um, and so he had someone come clean it pretty immediately. So that was great. Three weeks later, um, there was water coming out of the electrical sockets. And flooding oh. our kitchen, the same house. Um, so that was a bigger problem. And... We ended up going to a castle, like an honest to goodness castle, um, to go away for the weekend while they tried to fix it. Uh, mm-hmm. Came back, the water still wasn't on. And so we were like, okay, one more day. Like, we can't 
yeah. we can't stick without showers for like more than a day, right? Um, and so we just got water bottles. We camped out for one more day and it still wasn't working. The water was still spraying everywhere. And so we're like, nope, that's it. We actually had a huge problem with Airbnb because we tried to book something and then they thought we were booking a party. So they banned us from 10 days from the site. Oh, great. And <laughs> right when you need it. Things that went wrong. Um, we were flying to Switzerland like two or three days after that. No, maybe like a week after that. So we're like, okay, we just need a place for a week. Booked a place for a week, then went to Switzerland, extended our stay because we're like, we don't have a place to go back to. So we'll be in Switzerland for, you know, a couple more days, um, which was wonderful and amazing. And then we uh, booked another place, I think, for like the final week on booking. Um, and just like, that was a very painful part of the trip. Um, to be totally honest, we have found the most pain is in the transitions, right? The transition from one place to another to another was very, very painful. Um, and so we were very fortunate that we actually had had our babysitter fly out for like those three weeks. And I think if she weren't there, I honestly think we would have gone home. We would have gone to Switzerland and then just flown directly home and changed our ticket. Um, but she was there. So at least my husband and I were able to kind of like figure out the housing and figure out, you know, the moving of the stuff and all of that. Um, one of the last, one of the places we booked, cause it was only for a night, um, had these stairs. You can't, nobody else can see my hand, but they were like this. Really <laughs> all of us sat at the bottom of it and we're like, Oh, uh, we can <laughs> get up as a ladder. This isn't stairs. And we had oh, cases. It was it was so bad. And there was like a thunderstorm that night. It was a whole mess. Um, and now it's funny, like four or five months later, we're like, this is a great story. Um, but then it was very, very painful. Do you do you notice that we had a few things on our trip too where things just didn't go the right way or and our kids started to kind of, especially our older one, I think, because she's seven and a half, she noticed, right? So she started to kind of panic a little bit. What are we going to do? What's going to happen? And we were both very calm, like, you know what? We don't know what we're going to do right this minute, but we're all together. We got our passports and our money. We're fine. We're gonna just going to figure this out. And we did. And I think it taught our daughter a lot of resilience and being able to kind of like roll with the punches. Do you feel like as, over your time traveling with your kids, they've gotten better about just like, okay, we're just going to roll with it. Absolutely. And we use the exact same line to be totally honest. Like we're all together. We're all safe. We have our passports. We have money. It's fine. We'll figure this out. Um, so we use the exact same kind of yeah. thing to kind of calm them. My older one, honestly, is like, Oh, we're stuck. Okay, so I'm going to go play in that thing. Okay, bye. He was out. He was. He could probably world school for like 15 years and be totally fine. No worries. <laughs> My younger one freaks out. Um, he's a he's a little bit more like wait, 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 we don't have a home. We don't have this. What are we going to do? And so I think it's taught him a lot of it's okay. Like it's totally fine to to not always have a plan or to have the plan go wrong. Um, and I think that's been between that and his older brother modeling the like, oh, now we get to do this and don't worry. It's he'll literally say, like, don't worry, A, it's okay. We can do this. Um, and so I think between the two of those, it's taught him way more flexibility than I think he would have had had we been at home. I think they're almost looking for us to freak. I feel like she yeah. she kept saying, like, 
but what are we going to do? But, you know, they're yeah. waiting for you to have this like bad reaction to kind of validate their own feelings. And then when you have the opposite, they're like, oh, yeah. Okay. So, but I like what you said about the transitions because that was our experience too. Every time there was a transition, it was tough. So have you changed now that, you know, having a trip like that where, you know, obviously you didn't mean to make that many transitions, but, you know, you were <laughs> going to just go to Switzerland for a week and then come back. And have you, have you started to kind of slow down and smooth out your travel now and, and change because those transitions are hard? Absolutely. So we got back from that trip and we had come home for three weeks to get our house ready for a renter because we're like, okay, we have another trip. Let's, you know, actually rent it out this time. And we found a friend of a friend and it was great. And we came back and we're like, no, we're done after this trip. <laughs> we are going home. We are so done. Um, and then we did things differently when we went to Canada. Um, we went to the Canadian Rockies and oh my Lord, if I could like move anywhere in the whole world, it would be there. Like if I can figure out the visa, I'm there tomorrow. Um, <laughs> But we did it differently. We uh, did take a one-week trip to Canada to Panama. But after that, we did it differently. <laughs> um, we got there and we did nothing for four weeks. No adventures beyond twenty minutes. Like no, no side adventures. Nothing. Um, that whole trip, we only took one or two side adventures. We were there for eight weeks. Wow. Um, only one with the whole family, and one I sent my husband by himself. Um, but the rest, it was like this 20 minute radius. It was a, it was a great small town. Um, and I had prepped a little bit more in terms of, I found a childcare agency who had vetted and background checked babysitters. And I found a forest school that I could enroll them in one day a week. So they were, or my Californian kids were in the Canadian winter in like zero to 10 degree Fahrenheit. (laughs) Got it for a full day and it was fine we learned um and so I prepped those things ahead of time and we found a ski and snowboard instruction and so I had more bandwidth because I had these like oh these are my child care chunks um and we just didn't go anywhere for four weeks we just settled in and um got our bearings and got our schedule in and kind of was really we were really able to like live life there rather than be on vacation, which is the thing we learned from Portugal of like, oh, we were trying to do it all. We were trying to see the castles and we were trying to do this. And my husband was working and it was a time zone difference and, 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 and then in Canada, we're like, no, we're doing nothing for a while. We are walking the town and not driving anywhere. Yeah. You know, that idea of the slow vacation that, you know, I think a lot of times when you, you know, you're, we were originally starting to think about doing this long extended stay it kind of felt like I felt guilty saying, oh, I'm not, I'm only just going to walk around town and, you know, treat it like a normal day, you know, to think like, I'm going to travel to this location, I need to be visiting things and seeing stuff. And there's a sense of like FOMO, or like that urgency that there's an expectation that I need to fill this whole day with exciting, fun things because right. I, I'm on vacation and, and all I this spent stuff. so much on these tickets and everything. And I'm yeah. only going to be here once and I've got to do it all. And, but I think that, you know, by like our third week, we kind of were like, oh, no, we're yeah, cool. And yeah. it, it definitely, you do kind of settle into life there. And some of the most, the best memories I think I have are like finding my favorite brand of something at the grocery store. Like when you would go to the grocery store and you'd come back and I'd be like, ah, you got the red pesto crema that I like. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know how you like develop your favorite brands. He got the biscuits we like. The girls are going with the biscuits, you know? And so it's funny. It's not the flashy things. I and you guess. start to transition from the idea of vacation to the idea of living. And and the way you describe that being in 
you know, the Canadian Rockies um, area. And I know we, we understand where, where you're talking about, cause it's just to the North of us and you know, that starting to transition, just be like, I'm living here and everything. Mm-hmm. How does that, how do you manage that with your, with your husband? You know, he has to work and has to do his job. You know, Ariel was doing her job when we were over there, but it was such a shifted schedule. It was like, she started at four in the evening and went to midnight. So she had most of the day. If he's sort of on the same time zone, you know, I don't know what his work hours w- look like. How do you manage your relationship with your spouse who may be working at that time and date nights? And, and you talked a little bit about childcare, but how do you manage your relationship with your spouse kind of being in this quasi vacation mode? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. So we did the shifted schedule, right, when we were in Portugal. And we found that was like probably the, for us, it was the worst of all worlds. I am not a night person. I like, I'm tapped out, you know, like I am touched out. I'm tapped out. I'm homeschooled out. I'm done. Um, And so he then had to go to work at 5 p.m. And I was like, oh my God, okay, you're getting TV for like four hours. Like I can't parent anymore. And so that was just really hard shift work for us. So we actually found when he was on more or less, so it was like an hour ahead of us. So, you know, more or less the same schedule. It was great because we found the vetted childcare and we actually ended up finding a babysitter who was amazing. And we're still chatting with her. Um, and when we head back over to Europe, we're going to try to meet up with her because she was kind of only in Canada for a little bit, but we found a person that worked with our kids. We took a couple times of like, I'm going to be here while you're with the kids just to see how you all click. And it was literally by the second meeting, they're like, okay, bye, bye, leave. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> That's a good sign. Um, And so that was our date night person. Okay, great. Now we have her once a week for date night. And then the four school, we would do a lunch date. So I would go, he found a co-working space. I would go to the co-working space with him. We'd both do our work. And then he would, and then we'd all go out to lunch and then I would go pick up the kids, you know, a couple hours later. Um, And so that worked really well for us. And I think for him being able to have that defined schedule of like, okay, I have to make it home by five because she's going to go to her workout. And then on the weekend, um, he gave me Sunday morning. So from until 3 p.m. on Sunday, because he took him to climbing class. So until 3 p.m. on Sunday was mine. Like out of the house, no children, it's all my own. And that was great for both of us because he got his like dedicated time with the kids, you know, um, and he is in charge of a lot of the sciencey things. I love science, but the level of, of depths my kids go into in science is like, he needs to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so he did that and he did their climbing class. And I got like this chunk of time that I was able to come back Monday and be like, okay, great. We can kind of continue schooling and do all that. So I would say smoothness wise, it was even better than being home to be totally honest, just because it was so clear and so defined. And it was like, okay, these are our times that we do this. Yep. Um, you know, so speaking of educating children, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about the um, homeschooling. You know, how do you manage the homeschooling when you travel? You know, what curriculums are you using? You know, what is your methods of of education? Are you, you know, an eclectic? Are you Charlotte Mason? Are you a non-schooler? You know, what does your homeschool look like? Yeah. Let me preface this with, I think I'm a psychologist. I'm fairly sure both my kids fall somewhere in the giftedness, some kind of some level. Um, I haven't done an IQ test on them, but just given reports from their preschool, given reports from any adult that interacts with them, 
the level of depth that they can go to on a topic and, and the quickness that they can do it is can be very intense. It can feel like being attached to a cheetah that's like running really fast and I have to try to keep up, which is pros and cons, you know, as we're traveling. So when we went to San Diego, I packed all the things. <laughs> I packed my entire homeschool closet, right? I had the um the little snap circuit kit. I had the art supplies. I had this, I had that. And then we flew and I was like, okay, I got to cut this down a little bit. So I cut it down to two suitcases, uh, still way too much, <laughs> way, way too much. And I had printed out a bunch of things and they didn't use any of it. They used none of my printouts that I had like, you know, half the suitcase. So that was still too much. Then we go to Canada and I'm like, one suitcase. Great. I'm going to do one suitcase and, and kind of narrow it down and I can just order what I need, you know? When we were in different countries, even if the predominant language wasn't English, there still there usually was an English section of their bookstore. And we found some cool books while we were there. So we got into the human body for a little bit with like a level of detail that I was unprepared to have the conversation about with my kids. And <laughs> <laughs> whole that. talk about where babies come from. And I was like, oh, this is oh, like yes. nine o'clock in Portugal and I'm not ready for this. Yeah, we have um, some friends. We have some friends going through that right now. And we're like, we're oh, like, we're like, not ready. We're like hiding behind the bushes. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I was, it was literally just me. My husband was working. Our babysitter was taking her own quiet time. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, anyone else around (laughs) this question um and but it was a great book and so we found stuff like that um in Canada I found a really cool homeschooling resource right as I could just get the ship the books shipped to me um there's a UPS right downstairs and so we were able to like print out any mystery science things that we needed so to back up a little bit identify mainly as eclectic if you can't tell by Mm -hmm. picking and choosing um and we've honestly started leaning more towards unschooling. Again, my kids developed like really intense interests and mm-hmm. following that leads us like, oh, great, you know, all the countries and their capitals. Okay, moving on to like, okay, now we're going to go to animals and talk about the history of Komodo Island and mm-hmm. we're, you know, working all this. Um, and so we're able to do a lot. And again, I just like buy the Beast Academy books and then my kids are like, ooh, a fun book to read. And so I find <laughs> reading it. Um, and so I'm trying to take that approach, especially while they're young. You know, my oldest is just finishing up kinder technically. We've got time. If we miss something, we can go back and cover it, you know. And we've had some really cool conversations, right? So we've had conversations about religion because it's not a thing we practiced in our house. Um, but when we were in Portugal, there is a, uh, a Christ the Redeemer copy, basically. And so they're like, what's that statue? And so we kind of went into that history. We've gone into history of like geo- uh, geological history with the Canadian Rockies. And we go into a whole bunch of different side tangents that just come up of like, oh, they're on the metric system. What's the metric system? Great. da 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 and so we are eclectic and kind of unschooly, depending on the week that you catch us. Do you find that your choices in homeschooling and, and what you choose to do um, is being pulled more by the lifestyle of being a world schooler, or is it closer to the needs of your child? How much of the travel is influencing your choices and and what you're you know choosing to learn or choosing to choose? What choices you make for your homeschool? Which one is kind of pulling? Or are they doing it equally? That's a really good question. Um, I think at first 
we were really, it was all about the travel, right? It was like, okay, like we can't be in a school because we're going to be gone for six months. We're going to be gone for nine months. We're, you know, there's these giant chunks of time. We just can't, it won't work. As I've gotten to see my kids' learning style more and kind of dive into this more, I now have more questions about their learning needs and if they're going to be met in a school. Um, I will say I loved the school that we had them signed up for. I really did, like both the preschool and the kindergarten. Like I was so excited. Um, and there are things that being world, world schoolers, we haven't quite figured out yet with homeschooling in terms of like finding that community, finding the co-ops, things like that, that are just harder, right? You know, we come home for three weeks and I say home like loosely, we went, you know, a three hour drive here and a two hour flight here and all of that. Um, but we come home and literally about three, four weeks in, my kids are like, so, so where are we going? You know, like, <laughs> what's, what's up next? Um, You've and, raised the bar so high. <laughs> they're just waiting for the next trip. It's so ridiculous. Sometimes my husband and I look at each other like, what have we done? Like, I don't know <laughs> about this. Or my kid will have, um, we were at a family camp this last weekend. And one of the camp counselors is like, so what's your favorite ice creams? What are your top three? My son's like, well, I really love the New Zealand ice cream. And then there's that one ice cream in Canada. And she like looked at us and like, yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this. Just traveled around a lot. And so like seeing those things, yeah, we've we've raised the bar at a level that I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know uh, how long we're going to be able to sustain this. So you keyed a little bit on uh, socialization and obviously socialization is mm-hmm. always a big issue with homeschooling and people on the outside look in and, and always ask that question you know, being on the road, you, 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 they obviously have the sibling, um, companionship that's built in and, and we had that as well. Um, but sometimes there's a lot of friction there and they like to have their own friends. Like our daughter had her best friend over last night and they had a sleepover and the four-year-old's kind of a tag along. Right. And then very soon the four-year-old's going to have their friends and, and whatnot. How did they interact with other children in that area? You said that you had the forest school in Canada, but when you're not traveling in kind of Canada, you may be Portugal or when you go to Australia or when you go to live with the lizards in, in Indonesia, how, <laughs> how, you know, how, how are they going to have that socialization? You know, how are you, achieve, you know, achieving that, that, that issue? Yeah. Oh gosh. I don't know how we're going to do it with lizards, but you know, figure that part out when we get there. Um, I really like the idea of socialization in like the broadest context, right? Like how do you interact with people in the world, period. Um, So they see that when we're going through the airport, right? When we're going through um, customs, when we're doing all that, they see it when we're talking with different people on the airplane. It was so great landing in Portugal and you just hear all these different languages. Um, They got it from interacting with different people at kids places in in Portugal and, and in Portugal like every place is a kids place it's wonderful I'll share two quick stories and I think it's more pertinent for the like especially when there's that language barrier right and when they're not enrolled in a particular thing we were in Portugal at like some jump place <laughs> this little boy came came up to his mom he had just been playing with my kids and he came up to his mom and said something in Portuguese and then she translated it to me and then I translated it to my son and then they both ran off to each other with each other again um and then that we they would just come to us when they needed a translation um but they were able to just make friends you know they were like oh you like jumping that high I like jumping that high (laughs) (laughs) 
um, it became tricky when they're like, can you get their number? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> 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 we're here for like five more days. Um, so that part became a little hard, but they were able to just kind of pick up friends. Um, in Canada, it was obviously easier because they saw we had, they had one friend they made very quickly. And like, we went over to their house once a week and then they saw that friend once a week for two months. Um, and then they had friends that they had at ski and snowboard camp as well, that they would run around with after. Um, so that was a little bit easier in terms of like eight, you know, similar age kids, but we found that they were able to do it. Um, just kind of meet people and talk with people. Two quick stories on socialization. My in, we have found in the U S both my kids get really shy with adults. And so it's a lot of like, can you go up with me? Can you ask them? Da da da. And in Switzerland, I'll never forget my little tiny four-year-old, because he is little tiny, um, at the time, was, wanted some French fries at a restaurant we were in in Switzerland. And uh, we're like, okay, go ask, you know, go ask uncle for them, go ask the waiter. And he walked up to the waiter, like went throughout the whole restaurant, walked up, and he's surrounded by these like very tall people. <laughs> and he's just like talking with the four of them about, you know, wanting to order more French fries and then came back and had done it all on his own. Um, and was just like the level of independence they got when we were traveling was so cool. Um, and then my oldest son, we were in Portugal watching the Portugal Morocco quarterfinals or semifinals. I, mean, I think it was semifinals in the World Cup. And we go into this Portuguese pub, and it's like five older Portuguese men singing the Portuguese national anthem as we walk in. <laughs> like really intense my kids are decked out in morocco gear they're like, <laughs> oh, I'm like oh gosh what is gonna happen and this older man just came up didn't speaking didn't speak much english and just like pinched my son's cheek he's like oh you're so cute and just like they got all this interaction with people um and i think it really helped them gain that independence with adults in particular see it now in little bits like I see I see it as we've come back like they're a little bit more comfortable going with adults and I'm sure once we go back overseas the, the kind of that muscle will come back for them which is really cool yeah we saw some similar growth yeah as well. we noticed the same thing our daughter yeah. you know at one There's point it was something easy we like yeah. she wanted more ketchup at a restaurant we're like well go up and ask for more ketchup packets and she was like me okay. we're like yeah, you. She would never do that in the United States. And she was like, okay. She went up there. She goes, he was very nice. And he said he'd give me more ketchup. I'm like, okay, see? I mean, the other day she went into the library by herself and picked up her books. Actually, the my books I had oh, on that was, hold. That was a big one. Was... And yeah, she checked out with the automated system. She didn't even have to give them to the librarian. She actually did the automated system. I talked her through it and she came back out. And I can't imagine her doing something like that before we took our big trip. No, she would have seized right up. It was it was amazing. She would have been so terrified to do something like that. We did a lot of things when we were gone too about having her pay, you know, like, oh, mm -hmm. she wanted a bag of chips. Okay, well, you know, here's five euro. Go, go, go get it. She'd be like, okay, you know, and she would. I think that kind of independence is really important. Exactly. Do you, I love what you said too about them making friends. I feel like at that age, they make friends with everyone. Like yeah, everywhere they go, they make a friend, which is cool. Amazing. Do you, do you, are you concerned as they get older that things will be harder or things will change a bit? Um, you know, it's definitely gets, it kind of gets more intense the older that they get and they don't make friends quite as easily as they do when they're really young. Yeah. You know, um, one, I just want to mention on the Euro side, it was so, it was cool handing them other, you know, money that's not from the U.S. Um, I'm looking at like what standards 
we need for kindergarten, you know, and making sure we hit them. And it goes money. I'm like, well, they've seen Panamanian money and you know, euros <laughs> and Canadian. It's fine. They, they they've got money. Um, but it is cool that like that's a cool homeschool moment, right? Of like, mm-hmm. ah, that's this is a different currency. Um, as they get older, you know, so we came back to our neighborhood um and our and our house, and they just kind of clicked back in with friends. Um, we hosted a big gathering like a week after we got back, which again, a little crazy making, but we did it. Um and they just clicked right back in and it was all okay. And I think at this age, they can kind of do that. Um, I think so much of it depends on temperament and like how important friends are to them, honestly, as they get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have bets on how they'll be with friends, but I don't have any sure guesses because they always surprise me. Like, oh, friends are super important. Oh, wait, two weeks later, you don't remember this friend. Okay. It's not a thing. Um, so I don't know, to be totally honest. And I think we're really flexible in how we approach it. We're not um, tied to the fact that we have to be on the road all the time with no home base. We're also not tied to we have to have a home base. And I think we're doing a lot of little bets, right? So we did nine months of traveling and that had really good things and really hard things. We're going to try this year two different things. We're going to try having a home base with trips out. Um, ironically enough, we're going to change our home base. So there will be a move, and, but then it's a familiar one to them. Um, and so we're going to try that and see like, oh, if we go out for three or four weeks at a time and come back, how does that feel? Um, but we're also going to try going to a world school hub, I think, mm-hmm. next summer where everything is set up for you. They have apartments that they, you know, have as part of their thing. Have you heard of these? Okay. No. You have it. No. Okay. These, um, in theory, they seem really cool. I have no idea in practice, but we're going to try. Um, they're between a month and three months long. They're in different spots over the world. They have apartments that are already like vetted. And so you just pay the rent on the apartment. You can choose like a one, two or three bedroom. Um, they have school for the kids for a cost. So you just say, yep, I want Monday through Friday school and I'm going to pay, you know, I think it's for the Portugal one. Um, it's boundless life. And I think it's like 1500 euros for the month for the kid. Um, and they have co-working space that's open usually many hours of the night, you know, to accommodate us standards. And they have like get togethers, they have itineraries, they have their plugged mm. in local guides. Yeah. Yeah. That's, right. That's amazing. Really cool. Yeah. I'm, we're going to try it. <laughs> I can imagine that it will either feel really cool because it's like, oh, great. Here's friends, here's community, here's all some of the things we've been missing. Um, I don't know how structured it is or like how, you know, all of that, but that's kind of a question that we'll find out hopefully by next summer. That's amazing. Um, Very cool. So, so when you're, you know, in these extended periods, um, you know, you're, you kind of, you were talking a little bit about like your multiple suitcases of homeschool <laughs> supplies and that's kind of whittled down a lot. Is there something you can't live without now that you've done an extended period of time and you've gone to many places? Is there things that could fit into your homeschool that you're just like, I can't, I can't miss this. This gets its bag. This gets a spot in the bag every single time. Every time. Um, a set of crayons for my younger, like a set of crayons and markers. We have like a little um uh, 
art kit that has paper and crayons and a little tablet for him to draw on. Crayons are surprisingly um, difficult to find yeah. in other countries. I did not realize yeah. this, but we were in Ireland and like you could find markers and colored pencils, but there were nary a crayon in sight. Good yeah, I don't know if is crayons just like a really American thing. I don't. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, my younger one's very picky with his crayons. <laughs> like he just is like, no, I like the whatever there are the beeswax ones that are triangle shaped. Like mm-hmm. loves those. Um, and so he'll do it with other crayons, but it's like not his favorite. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna pack you with this little, little tiny set of crayons. It's fine. Um, and then the tablets, because honestly, like we can get mystery science on there. We can get. Um, Beast Academy on there. We can play with the letter tiles for all about reading and all about spelling. Um, those are kind of the things that we ultimately can't live without. I'm going to try workbooks <laughs> this upcoming trip. I don't think my kids are going to like them, but I'm going to try them anyway. Um, I got a science workbook, so I'm hoping that'll be more appealing to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think even like our tablets even have reading, right? They have epic reading yeah. that we use. Um, and again, my kids don't love it, but until we can get set up where we can find those books or, you know, we can do that. Those are the things that I'm like, if we have this at a minimum, we're fine. We can figure everything else out. So you found yourself moving towards the tablet just because it can, you know, hold essentially more than, you know, a whole shelf of books and a whole shelf of, of curriculum. Yeah. I've yeah. noticed them um, since we've come back from um, being in Ireland for the month, I've noticed that I've leaned a little bit more on the tablets than I used to. Um, mm-hmm. both, both in a, you know, just for learning, you know, whether it's PBS kids app, um, and doing all those, uh, you know, educational apps or, you know, Khan Academy, or I've now got IXL on, um, on for my older daughter's tablet. She's been doing some reading stuff there as well. I, I found that I've, I've pushed more towards it because they have enjoyed it and, and it's for them, they've actually been, it's been a useful tool to, for education. So I, I'm, I'm sort of like leaning more in that direction. I know we don't want to have as much screen time, um, but I am starting to use it a little bit more than I would have maybe even four or five months ago. Yeah. Well, I found that they, oh gosh, the rate my kids will buy and consume books is shockingly high. Um, And so like we have, we've had to ship stuff back from places like we bought a whole bunch of stuff. Like, all right, this is going to get shipped back. Um, And, you know, do the weight distribution. So it's not too expensive. Um, But, you know, there's, there's kids around the world that learn things, right? So like you can find different materials that you might have at home, but you can still find really cool materials. And the tablet gives us our baseline. Like here's our baseline. Here's our things that we can always fall back on. But then we get to like explore like, oh, here's this cool fold out timeline of the history of the world. Oh, here's this, you know, um, you can find a printer station where you can print out handouts or work worksheets if you need to or things like that so we've just found that relaxing that a little bit um which is very hard because there are moments where they're like I just want to play with this my keyboard and I'm like oh well (laughs) we don't have that right now um but I can get you an app that mimics the keys uh... (laughs) I'm like this is close enough right this will do for the time being um and, you know, and then if they get serious about something, like, we'll figure it out. Like, we'll we'll figure out something and we can resell or ship home or anything like that. 
So, so I want to ask about the toys, like oh, uh, just go. talking about that. Like what we felt like we we were like, okay, you can each bring like one Barbie and each bring one of your My Generation dolls and, you know, like uh, some, some coloring books and stuff. And we immediately had to like go out and be like, well, we got to buy a Lego set because these kids need more, <laughs> right? Um, how do you decide what to bring to, you know, both be kind of educational and stimulating, but, you know, also something that they can play can play with and, and have that imaginative playtime? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, we've been doing this for a while, right? And so the night before we'll say, okay, you have one backpack each, pack whatever toys you want and you can fit in that one backpack. And that backpack goes on the plane with us because mm-hmm. I am not losing that backpack and they're not losing their favorite toys. <laughs> like, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. My son still remembers some toy he left on some plane somewhere. And I'm like, I, yeah, I believe you, bud. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Um, so we do that. We tell, we give them each a backpack and they carry it themselves of like, here's as many toys as you can fit in. Um, it's funny. You mentioned Lego. We all caught COVID when we went to New Zealand last summer. Um, and I didn't have COVID yet. And the rest of my family did. So I like masked up really quickly and like bought a Lego from like one of their, mm-hmm. like, in, you know, collect things. Um, and I bought a whole Lego thing. So I'm like, well, this will occupy you for the next 10 days while we're in isolation. And I have found that they have loved buying things in different places. Um, and so we've also just been flexible. Like we, we're going to leave a little room in the bag. Um, I love Daryl's trick. I'm going to use that next time of like, Oh, the bag in a bag. Yeah. Yes. And the collapsible duffel bag. It's also, also worked out really well. I think when we do, when we finally get around to doing a YouTube video, we're actually going to show the bags and we'll, probably put it all in you can actually see how it worked yeah yeah i love love good souvenirs yeah we have a collapsible duffel that we use um Mm -hmm. but there's some stuff that just needs a structure right yeah and all of that and so um and we just we we will buy a toy when we're there because there's this really cool marble set they're really into marbles there's this really cool marble set that like does not exist at home (laughs) you know like it's just not a thing um or there's this really cool animal my son likes the little animal figurines my older mm-hmm. son and we went to um the world bird the world uh falcon bird thing in idaho i don't remember what the full name is um i'm sorry it's really really good site i really highly yeah. recommend it in boise um but they had cool animal figures that i've never seen anywhere else and mm-hmm. i was like yeah you can get one because you know, this was the time that we went to go see that, you know, owl live and the peregrine falcon and all that. Um, and so we just kind of leave some space for we're going to buy some things. They will have, a again, minimum minimum that they have in their backpack. Um, and then after a week or two, they're like, OK, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're here. And um, there's a Toys R Us in Canada on a complete side note. Yeah. Oh. I know. Wow, they, so, they do exist. They do, they yeah. do exist. And they only exist in Canada. There's like a, like four or five of them. Um, and we were near one. I'm like, all right, guys, we're going shopping because this is something from my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you each get, you know, X amount of money to spend. Yeah, we, we found it was like a good way to give them a like a souvenir rather than maybe something kitschy that they wouldn't use later. We were like, mm-hmm. you know, for our younger one, we're like, you get to pick out a stuffy. So the whole trip, she was like looking at all the toy stores so she could find the per- perfect stuffy. And then Sheepy came home to live with Sheepy. us. Um, but, you know, and our older daughter, we had talked about like what we wanted, you know, what they each wanted to get. And toys were part of kind of part of their souvenir stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of all 
penciled out. In the Especially end. with how much a playtime, you know, they do a lot of deep play with with it while we're while we're there at the location, and so it has a lot of deep memories for them. They go, oh yeah, I remember that was my Moana set, or that was my friend's yeah. set, or you know, that was that you know sticker thing that I got and whatnot. They they just remember it more because they played with it. So. Yeah, and I think that you know we could you wanted to pack and bring Lego, and I was like, I don't bring Lego on the plane. We're gonna lose all these little pieces. I was like, <laughs> I was totally against. It. I didn't want to do it. Um, and then, you know, having bought the sets there, we were able to basically get them for the same price we would have paid here. So it was not like more expensive, um, but they really remember and they they know which things they got there. When I went over to the UK briefly and I had to bring them home a souvenir, I brought them home a couple oh, of mini figs. Well, I brought them a couple of Osborne books yeah. um, because they're 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 British. Right. And I was able to get these really cool books that I, I didn't hadn't seen here. And then I realized like, this is actually not what they want. And I went to the Lego store at like the <laughs> Liverpool mall and I got these custom minifigs that I made. And, you know, that's what they wanted. That's what they still remember. They're like, this is the one, this is the one from Britain. Right. <laughs> yes. um, so it's, it's cool how that, you know, toys can be souvenirs too. Well, and they, that was the thing they missed. You know, it wasn't really friends to be honest. It wasn't um, my younger son. It was his Ben, but like otherwise than that, they missed their toys. I think that um, we probably would have stayed like another month or two in Canada, to be honest, but they were like really wanting their toys back and it just holds so much value for them. Right. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. like this is going to be a priority in our packing. Like we will pack this or we will buy this. And yeah, they totally are like, oh yeah, this one thing that I got from this one place and different countries have different cool things for kids. Like um, New Zealand has these plane it's basically like a plane travel toy thing where um you put it on like a little stick and you basically assemble like a kiwi or you assemble like a tortura or you assemble like these different animal figures out of cardboard mm-hmm. and it's designed for the plane trip or a car trip for kids um and so you get those little treasures too which is really cool mm-hmm. How much, you know, I had a little question, side question is how much do standards and, you know, grade level and expectation when you're traveling so, you know, abroad and, and you're, you have such a wildly different experience day to day than, you know, the average homeschooler does, you know, how, how much do standards and, and grade level play into a lot of your decisions? Standards and grade levels in the U.S.? Yeah, just just as a reference. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, again, it's kind of a pick and choose. Um, I try to go off most when we're in California. I try to kind of look through the California standards. Um, there's some website that has I can statements, which I have found incredibly useful. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like money, right? That was the big thing that we're like, you're going to learn this at some point. I don't know what country we're going to be in. Let's not worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> you know, here's like, I'm going to introduce you to this money and this money um, or things like language. The school we had signed up for had um, Spanish and Mandarin as their languages. Um, and we're like, uh, like, that's really hard to find the out school time that works, especially as we're traveling, you know, around and all of that. So we're going to just you're going to learn whatever language we're in. Um, and they still remember certain phrases and they still remember certain things. And so. I'm trying to see a lot of this as imprinting kind of, uh, you know, at its most level of like, you're realizing that the world is a big place. You're realizing that, um, you know, the, there are many beautiful things in many different countries. You're realizing that people do things differently in different countries. Mm-hmm. If I have to go back and cover, uh, you know, American money, I'll do it later. Like you can learn that pretty quickly. Um, again, as we're kind of like, 
evolving our homeschool stance from being thrown into it in the fall. Um, I kind of started reading more books and reading all of that and being like, okay, yeah, it's okay if I miss something. Like everyone has a gap in their schooling. My geography is terrible. My sons try to teach me. I'm like, ah, that's cool. I still don't know what you're talking about. They're like, mom, the flag goes like this, not like this. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> you. Um, and it's okay. That's just a gap I have. And so I don't want to miss anything big. And I'd rather than get the lessons, like the more deeper lessons rather than the kind of um, different standards or different things that I might have skipped along the way. So like legalities wise, are you like a registered homeschooler in California and that's how you're going around or how does that work? Are there, is anyone checking up and you've got to do you know progress reports or anything? How, how does all of that work? Yeah. Different states with different standards, right? So California, yeah. um, because we still consider this our home base and because we plan to kind of keep touching base here, we did register in California. Um, and we'll do so again next year, I think, especially if we're going to try the home base thing. Um, but California has two different options. You can either go for homeschooling, you can go with a charter um, and you can get funds from the states like twenty three or twenty seven hundred dollars per student. Um, and, but you have to check in with them. You have to kind of do all that stuff. Uh, I didn't know about that. <laughs> Because again, I had two weeks to plan this. So I was like, oh gosh, what do I do here? Um, and so they have this other option called the private school affidavit, the PSA. And you basically fill out a form in the fall saying, I'm homeschooling. This is what grade I'm homeschooling. That's kind of it. Wow. That's like all, yeah, that's all that I've needed to do. And so if somebody were to check up on us, I could just kind of like have my kids do some things, you know, to prove again, because we're, I know we're at or above most of the standards, so it's fine. Um, but they have that. And you also, I think, don't have to register your child till they're six. So there's, you know, I only had to register my older son and it was, um, it's pretty loose, to be honest. Um, so we did that and then we just kind of traveled. It's <laughs> <laughs> the ideal thing. Well, we've we've enjoyed, you know, chatting with you and having this great discussion about homeschooling and on the road and everything. Do you have any advice for any homeschool parent out there who's thinking of maybe taking that great leap um, to start traveling, whether it's short term or long term, like like what you guys are doing? Do you have any advice for them, um, you know, as they approach, maybe get closer to it uh, and they actually start traveling? Yeah, um, I think a couple things. One, really figure out, are you doing vacation? Or are you living somewhere, right? Like what, what do you want to do? Um, because that can frame so much of where you go, what time zone you're in, all of that. Um, and then I also think just figure out what the right first step is for you. My husband and I are both full, like, well, we're going to jump in with two feet and we will be fine. But that's not everyone. And that's okay. That's totally fine. We had friends who did a three month not a world school hub, but something similar in the Dominican Republic. And they were like, it was perfect. It was three months. It was all set up for us. And we could try it and see if we liked it. And I would say, figure out what that looks like. I have the secret ambition to get an RV and travel all the national parks in the US. <laughs> not so secret. Um, but, you know, that would be wonderful because our kids love outdoors, right? They don't want to be, they don't want to go see all the history and all that stuff that my husband and I want to go see. 
Um, so we're trying to pick destinations for their ages. I'm very hopeful that they'll get into history at some point and then we can like go do those things. But really think about what's going to work for the whole family. Is it going to work well to be at a fast pace? Great. Or is it like, no, like we need some time to adjust. We need time to do that. Can they pack their own bags? Okay, they can. Cool. You might be able to travel a little faster than like six and five-year-olds can't pack a bag and be all socks and nothing else, you know? Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> we have to pick out that way and and think about like, what are they going to enjoy and what are you going to enjoy? You know, my husband and I both love the outdoors. So we're like, great. Like we will pick mainly outdoorsy things. When we're planning this upcoming trip to New Zealand, Australia, I've been able to find like, ooh, we can go see sperm whales here and we can go see, you know, um, I haven't found Komodo dragons, but I have found other things that could be really fun. Um, And so really thinking about having it be fun for the whole family and we'll do the things we want to do, but it's for all of us, really. Um, And I'd rather them enjoy travel and and love that. So if you're thinking about it, think about what kind of trip would y'all enjoy and what time span, you know, is it a weekend? Is it a week? Is it a month? Um, as you all noted, right. A month can get you more discounts, which is great. And so is it like, okay, during the summer from school, we're going to have this time or, you know, we homeschool, we have that flexibility. I'm going to take that time in the fall when no one else is traveling, really think about how long you can handle. We have found like six weeks is kind of our tap out point. Like people want to be home, they want to be in their beds, they want to, you know, have their toys. Um, but we just tried it and, and, you know, adjusted if we needed to. Um, and so it's okay if you try it and it's okay if plans change, you know, that's that's kind of the beauty of all of this. Of it, World schooling does not have to look a particular way. It can be full-time travel without a home base. It can be fast travel. It can be going on trips every so often um it really doesn't have to look one way and so i would encourage that and then also on a very like practical side note one there's some great world schooling facebook groups that have lots of tips and two fun fact you can get library cards kind of all across the world you can get temporary library cards for like twenty dollars um and so if you wanted to do that and kind of create that like oh here's a nice space for us all to meet those are both kind of good things to keep in mind. Well, this was great. Thank you so much, Hillary, for joining us. We just had a lot of fun with you tonight and thanks for sharing your experience with your family. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!